Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Tuesday. 13th, 2023. Everybody, welcome to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf, and happy mini camp day to those who celebrate. Uh, I am joined, as always, by the immaculate, impeccable, wonderful, lovely, and stunningly handsome Jacob Morley. Jacob, school's out for the summer, as Alice Cooper might say. What are you doing for fun? fun what am i doing for fun um i don't know uh man uh it's tough i like to stay busy and i I don't do well uh just sitting still for very long so i don't know people that know me outside of like this space know that i've I've got a lot of different hobbies um one one thing i really like to do is i'm really into carpentry and uh i stay pretty busy in the summertime i uh, do you make, I, I've recently been building a lot of accent walls for people. Uh, so I've been busy doing that. I paint in the summer. Um, I just flipped my pontoon boat, not flipped it over, but like flipped it, uh, from an old ghetto pontoon to a newer ghetto pontoon. Um, so that's been fun. It's been a pretty full summer already. Um, I do coaching obviously. So we've got, you know, camps and whatnot in the summertime and, and all that good stuff. So I, I, I like to stay busy. And uh, speaking of busy, our uh, our Packers are about to get busy this this week uh, with some some mini camp activities. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe mini camp is mandatory. Uh, so that's probably the first storyline right there. Is will anyone be gone? Um, because OTAs and all that stuff. You know, you can say what you want, but um, there are certain guys like Jair Alexander who has not been at OTAs and that's fine. <laughs> like for me, that that's fine. Uh, the only thing you'd like them there for is because you'd like to see the young receivers get looks against those, those top dog corners and whatnot. So, uh, you're looking forward to all those guys being there, Jacob. And I think that's kind of one of the big storylines too, is, um, who's going to be there. They should all be there. 
And since they all are there, how does QB1 look against the starting two corners? How do these young receivers look against the starting two corners? And I think that's kind of what you can take from it. Um, still can't take a whole ton, a whole lot, because it is off-season activities, minicamp, all that stuff. But um, it's still fun to to read, you know, every play, every throw on your Twitter timeline. I know uh, we overreact to all of it, but that's kind of what makes this all fun anyways. Um, taking it with a grain of salt, but still t- getting excited about things that are worth getting excited about and um, and trying to downplay the things that maybe are worrisome and explain them away with, hey, it's just off-season stuff. So that's kind of the fun part of being a fan at this junction of the season, and, and that's kind of what we got to look forward to this week. It's always great to have new Packers news on the timeline, so um, it'll be good. Uh, all that, all that stuff, uh, and that was a long way to talk about what I've been doing to stay busy this summer, Jacob. What, uh, what, what have you been? What have you been doing to stay busy? I, I, I have, I have two kids, so there's an old uh, joke from a R two C two podcast that CC Sabathia and and Ryan Rucco, and one time they had Austin Romine on. And Ruko asked him, like, what do you do in the summer? And Romine's like, I have three kids. And CeCe starts laughing and says, he watches effing Baby Shark. It's like, <laughs> I relate to that now. That's pretty much what – let's see. Today, my daughter got home at about 5 o'clock. And between the hours of 5 and about 7.30 when we started here, I watched Frozen, some video on YouTube that she's really into, Um Whoever introduced my daughter to Bebe Rexa has a special place in hell because I have that stupid I'm blue, I'm good song stuck in my head 24-7 now because Blake really likes that. And yeah, that's 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 it. Keeping up with with toddlers and uh and infants. It's a real party situation. I've got going on over here. So the sabbatical that I get is when, yeah, the Packers have practice at noon, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they will uh, they will have a, a team building exercise on Thursday. So I want to start with something, I guess, a little uh, a little light, I guess, from the standpoint of, of Morley. If you were coaching your team through camp and say you canceled the last day of camp for the summer, um, and this is a mandatory camp, I'm in, I must remind you, unless, of course, your name is Aaron Rodgers uh, in the past couple of years, but, you know, we don't have to worry about that anymore, I guess. Um, what would your team building exercise be? If if you were doing that, because, you know, in the past they've done bowling, they've done paintball, they've done a bunch of different stuff like that. So what would yours be? Mm. Horseback riding. Interesting. Why? I think it'd be funny. I just think it'd be funny to, for a lot of these guys who have probably never been around any type of farm animal to get to watch. Let them Jordy get run it. Once upon a time, let Jordy run it. Yeah. Yes. That would be incredible to go to the. Just head out to uh, Riley, Kansas, and just meet up at the Nelson family farm, and just uh, do some. Just, oh, there, do you one better? Just your, just farm work for a day, team building, talk about uh, bonding experience, just being out there picking rocks or something like that. Now, I think horseback riding would be funny, just because uh, one, I think it's it's fun. And two, uh, I just think there's a lot of like funny experiences that that can that can glean from that. I mostly just said horseback riding because I was trying to think of something ridiculous that was off the wall. But I, I will say this too: I, as a child, was bit by a horse, 
Um, and I've never, I've never liked horses since then. My, my wife always talks about wanting to go on, like, uh, when we go on vacation, she's like, I want to go horseback riding and I just won't do it. Um, and I, I always relate to, uh, Eric Berry and he's got a very famous, uh, soundbite when at the beginning of chiefs games, they have, uh, uh, someone ride out on a horse named war paint or something like that. And there's a clip of him just being like, I don't have with horses because, you know, I got hit by one when I was a kid. So I think there's funny stuff that can come from that. Uh, um, but, you know, I don't know. They'll probably go to like Top Golf or something. That seems like the number one corporate event to bring a, a large group of people to at any point in time. So I don't know, man. I, I'm not the guy to plan those types of activities. It just gives me anxiety because I just want everyone to have a good time. And, uh, if people aren't having a good time, I feel bad. So I don't know, man, what would you do? I have done this before <laughs> when I was coaching baseball, I'd have some team building type activities. Usually it involved like the parent cause you know, professional athletes a little different than, than teenagers. So I'd have parents, we do like a little cookout or, or something like, or a pizza um, fundraiser. When we had, we had the owner of a pizza place whose son was on our team one year who just signed his letter of intent. Congratulations, Alec Weevil for, for doing that. Um, attending a school in Milwaukee. I don't want to say the wrong school because I don't have it right in front of me, but kudos. Alec is the, Alec was, it wasn't his demand. Brian was awesome uh, to us as well, but we do some stuff like that. My thought is um, splitting. So what I would do is I would split everybody into like, I wouldn't put like quarterbacks here, running backs, receivers. I'd, I'd split people up into like three or four or five, however it divides evenly, you know, kind of teams. Um, and, and do like a scavenger hunt of some sort, which I know sounds a little elementary, but my thought process is getting guys to communicate and work together and, and find whatever that common goal is. Cause we're searching for, you know, if you're, if you're playing football, yeah, whatever. It sounds awful. It sounds so boring, dude. And I'll say you've this. Got, you've clearly never done an escape room or something like that. Cause I, I was going to think of something I have like done that. an escape, an escape room. And it like these, this is why these things are so tricky is because half the everyone's got to have buy-in like i've i mean i'm a i'm a teacher and i've been to enough professional development uh communities and meetings and where we do these forced fun activities where you have to get up and go talk to three people about what your dog's name is or because you're going to get to talk to people you normally don't want to talk to or whatever and nobody has a good time the most fun the mo and it's funny because I feel like the most fun I've ever had at some of these meetings is when it is not super organized and when they're just like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Just go whatever. Like we went to Dave and Buster's one time at, just for a, a team building activity, had a blast. Had, I talked to more people in my building that I usually don't talk to than I ever would have on this like forced fun outings. So I don't know. I don't know what, uh, I don't know what the benefits of team building activities really are anyways. Um, I mean, I guess it's just to have fun, I suppose, because that stuff is important. But I just don't think it happens from, you know, a team that's going to be close knit. And anyone that's ever been on a team that is close knit or coached a team that's close knit, there's no team building activity that can really do that. It's just kind of is there or it isn't. And it pretty much comes from the people on the team in the organization. So I don't know. We'll see. I hope they do something fun though, but uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Horseback riding would be my pick. If uh, coach LaFleur, who is an avid listener of this podcast, uh, 
that's what I think you should do. Take the boys, take the boys out barrel racing. There you go, Matt. So we've got everything set up for you on, on everything like that. Let's do the actual football stuff. Cause there is not much to be gleaned, I guess, from these two days. Like you mentioned, it is a mandatory mini camp. Uh, the players that you mentioned, Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, and Morley's favorite player, Jonathan Garvin, the only players that have been absent from all of the OTAs open to public. What? That is so weird that he doesn't come to these. He's never I'm had. Thinking, and I'm just thinking like. Is he on the team? Of all years to He's not. Is he on the team? Maybe. Right. For now. But of all years to not come to OTAs, like the year where, you know, there were years in the past where it was like, it was Z Preston, Rashawn, and then it's just like, Whoever behind that, we don't really care. But now it's like they've got Preston, they've got Rashawn, who you presume will be back at some point soon, and he's on the team. Like there's no question on that. Then you've got Kingsley Anigbare, who was ahead of you if you're Jonathan Garvin last year. Justin Hollins, who ended up ahead of you by the end of the year last year. And, oh, yeah, their first-round pick this year was a pass rusher. They drafted Lucas Van Ness in the first round. So, like, you need and to beat out. Brenton Fox got a shout-out from, from the floor. About right. how so, impressed he's been with him. So, like, man. this That's one of those where, like, I always say OTAs when it comes to voluntary. Like I said, Jair Alexander missing practice, not a big deal. Like, not even by by any stretch, in, in my opinion, on that. But those fringe roster guys like that, you need – and this could be a tiebreaker. Like, you know, hey, Garvin and Justin Hollins, for example, have had a really good – can't battle for that fourth or fifth uh, edge spot, however many they decide to keep. And you know what? Hollins did this stuff and showed up to voluntary things, and Garvin didn't, so that could be the tiebreaker, and, and he gets cut. So I, I would be absolutely floored if if Garvin makes the team at, at this well, stage. This, this, is the last, this is the last thing I'll say about uh, Garvin. And I get crap because I, I, I am probably his biggest supporter, but people have to understand – that I supported him and that pick because as a seventh round draft pick, he was a 20 year old kid with big time athleticism uh, and someone that I think it's fun to take a swing on. But at this point he kind of is what he is and what he is, is a backup at best, you know, special teams player. And I don't think it's going to be for the Packers. I think he has. I think he had a lot of potential when they they took him. And I think not coming to this offseason stuff probably doesn't help to develop that. And uh, and, and I w- I would guess he will be looking for employment elsewhere um, come August. He yeah. The next I've said this I think on this show before. The next impact play that Jonathan Garvin makes in his career will be the first one. Um, and I actually, now that I say that, I think he sacked Justin Fields in the I own you game, but whatever, like Garvin is like you mentioned when they picked him, he was a seventh round pick. There's nothing against him, anything like that. It's just, he just doesn't have any juice, you know? And when we're talking about Hollins who showed some nice things when he was here, and Igbari, if he falls behind in that kind of case, obviously has shown more in his young career. And then Brenton Cox is a guy who you know got a shout out from Matt LaFleur, like you mentioned, and is a top 100 pick type potential player. So Dude, looking into something like that is the off field stuff for him is wild. Oh, it is. Yeah. And it still well, is. And wild. you know what? That's I, one I, of those... I, I feel like I can say this, um, this story just cause it's kind of funny. Um, so our pals at the KC sports network, you know, they, uh, 
Oh, they did like their they did like their uh they were at the the shrine the shrine bowl where he was at and uh this is just kind of a funny story so uh our pal uh Tucker I forget what Tucker what's your last name Tucker uh Tucker he works there he's a younger kid he's he's wearing the uh the pit viper sunglasses so they do their whole interview and Tucker's just wearing these sunglasses and uh and they get done. And he walks away, whatever. And then Brenton comes back. <laughs> he says, hey, can we redo that interview? But I want to wear those sunglasses this time. <laughs> and so it's just kind of stuff like that. Or it's like, what? <laughs> to go away, like uh, go play football. So I think there's a lot of immaturity with, uh, with Brenton. And the good news about that is he can grow up he can grow up. And if, if those maturity uh, issues kind of get resolved as, as they do with uh, 21, 22 year old kids, you know, like that's not uncommon for those guys to get to the NFL and be like, Oh, I am not the top dog here anymore. In fact, I was, I was a top 100 pick talent wise. And guess what? The NFL basically told me grow up because no one picked me. And uh, I think if there's anywhere for him to, to do that, I think Green Bay is as, as good of a spot as any. Uh, you, obviously, Preston, Preston Smith is, is a pro's pro. Uh, the guy's done it for a long time at a high level in the NFL. He knows what it takes to be successful. And then you have Rashawn Gary, who it seems like he's really taken on more of a leadership role. Uh, probably going back to beginning of last year, I think he was really starting to come into his own before that injury. And it's really cool to see, you know, him at these uh, activities, working out, getting in the pictures with the guys and stuff like that. And if there's one thing we know about Rashawn, uh, he's relentless. He, he, he relentlessly pursues excellence. And being around him with someone like a Brenton Cox or like a Lucas Van Ness, like just younger guys coming into the league. Those are two guys that I'm really confident as, as a younger player, if you watch them and if you really want to be great, then watch those two guys and, and they're going to, they're going to lay the blueprints out for you. And so that is what's exciting for me. And this, this edge group is you have, you have a wild, you know, kind of the wily older veteran in Preston. You've got the young, hungry, talented, you know, superstar waiting to explode in Rashawn. And then you've just got three guys behind them that potentially are all, you know, just very talented individuals. Lucas Van Ness obviously might be physically more physically gifted than all of them. And then Kingsley Inigbare is a, 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 one of the more fun young players on this team. And then guys like Brenton Cox, Justin Hollins. I mean, guys like that, that round out the roster. And we talked about this and I know we're kind of getting into the weeds, but it's the off season. So let's talk about it. You know, last year going into that, the season when we, if you remember all the way back, Jacob to this defense is going to be so good. And we were all kind of like, eh. I never did that but, by the way. I just, but it was kind of, you know, I don't, I think a lot of us that watch the team were like, yeah, they're talented. Like no doubt they could be very good, but it was very much like I'll believe it when I see it type thing. Yep. And that's kind of what was so frustrating about watching them immediately struggle. It's just kind of being like, why did anyone – like why did – because even – I think even the most realistic fans at least got their hopes up. Like, well, 
I mean, a lot of people are saying it. A lot of people have been and watched them, said their defense looks good. Turns out the offense just wasn't that good, and they were dominating them in, in whatever. But in any case, the one thing we pointed to with that defense, saying, hey, this defense is so talented, so talented. They got guys everywhere. The one spot that really you can point to and be like, could be issues here, and that was the edge. Because it's like you love Preston and Rashawn, but then after that, you're talking about the Darvins of the world, uh, an unproven Darius Hamilton. I'm trying to think yeah. who were the guys that made the like Enigmari made Tupa, it out of camp. Tupa, uh, Tupa Nalea. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, just guys like dudes. that, and then you and then you look at this group this year, and I mean they they attack that, and you look back to when when has Joe Barry been most successful in Green Bay? I think you can point to the end of the 21 season, where their defense was playing well. Uh, they went in and absolutely curb stomp the 49ers. Still lost, you know. But as is tradition, w- one thing that that defense had was they just had waves of pass rushers at the edge position. Yeah, and I'm still bummed that we never got like peak of their powers, Rashawn, Preston, Zadarius, and Whitney Merciless. Like Merciless was kind of the forgotten guy who came back, uh-huh. but they had those four guys, and now. You know, you look at this group right now, They then granted, potential, my high school football coach used to say that that's a scary word because it doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot until that actually has happens on the field. But um, you talk about potential, like if Gary comes back and, and Gary's not going to be like Bain, Rashawn, Gary until end of the season if he's back week one. Like it'll probably be 2024 when he's peak of his powers. Rashawn, Gary, again, uh, that's just the nature of the injury that he had. Preston Smith. Typically, he's been awesome in uh, odd-numbered years. It's an odd-numbered year, so that would be a good thing for him. And Lucas Van Ness, guys, if you listen to the show, if you watch the Gold Zone on on Game on Wisconsin when Morley and I would talk, like, I loved him. Like, a lot of people, Morley, like, I think cried for probably half an hour because it didn't say Jackson Smith and Jigbo when they took Lucas Van Ness in the first round this year. I was happy because – I think he's a stud and I think he's going like, and everything that's come out this off season since the Packers picked him has only reinforced that. Like his position coach did a, his off season position coach did a drill or a interview with Peter Bukowski from lockdown Packers and basically said he has potential to be best player in the NFL, like best defensive player in the NFL, not just on the Packers, the entire league. Now, is he going to be that? I'll say this. Is he going to be that in 2023? No, of course not. That would be that would be awesome if he wanted to do that right away. But this is a developmental pick like Rashawn Gary is, but I think he's more ready and frankly has to be more ready to contribute kind of in 2023 than Rashawn Gary did. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. I think and with the potential of Van Ness, his rookie season, like what is a successful rookie season for him? Because with Rashawn, he didn't even he didn't play that much. His no, Rashawn was the fourth pass. Like the, one of the biggest complaints was like famously he did not like Kyler Fackrell was out snapping yeah. him, which I think it was a fair criticism at the time of why can the twelfth overall pick not get more snaps than Kyler Fackrell? And again, because I do his, think his snaps were good too. Like that that was when you looked at Rashawn's like advanced stuff, you're like. Dude, this guy's winning a lot. Why can't he? Why isn't he on the field more? And I think with Van Ness, it, it will be interesting because I mean he's it's Kingsley Kingsley Anibari is no slouch. He's gonna have to play well to to take snaps away from him as a rookie. Like, oh, I don't think so. I think they'll find. So I think with Van Ness, they'll find ways to get him on the field, but. I do think so. I I think Inigbare, if Rashawn does not start the season, it'll be Smith and Inigbare as your starting edge rushers, with LVN doing some interior stuff, some you know waves him and Hollins or Cox coming in as kind of that second wave of pass rusher. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. And to to your point, L- Lucas Van Ness was was up there in like my top three to five guys that you're really, really excited about at that pick. Um, and nothing has made me sway from that at all. And the, the thing is we get so excited about the sexy pass catchers with the JSNs and all that. And, and I will we, every we, single year. We is you. Hey, is you, you, and I will, you are on record saying you would be very thrilled with JSN. I would have been, but I'm also I did not treat him as if he was the only first round pick that would have made the draft successful, which much of Packers Twitter did. And I promise they're going to do that this spring with Marvin Harrison. And I will just sit here right now. If they have any shot at Marvin Harrison, something went wrong. 
they need a quarterback. Like that's that's what I yeah. keep saying. They have, or the Jets really stunk and just stopped playing. Wouldn't that be something? Oh God, wouldn't that be something? I don't think that's going to happen either. Like, if but what, Jordan like, the Love point is of his- just, if Jordan Love is just him, capital H, and the Jets stink so bad that the Packers just snatch up Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh God. I will. I mean, I'll say but this: if, the, what, if what the would Packers happen have is a, they would pass on him for insert the Penn State left tackle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which probably. like, and they'd they probably be proven right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would say they That's don't. The they don't thing. have a left. My opinion: they don't have a left tackle on the like a slam dunk left tackle in the future on the roster right now. So. Yeah, their options are better than 90% of the league at that Well, spot. sure, but, but if that you That has never like, stopped them. That has never stopped no, and them. It, and it shouldn't. Like, Yosh Nyman being a better option than 90% of the league is a potential backup left tackle, left tackle. What's, the uh, who is, what's the, gosh, what's the phrase? It's like you don't you don't pass you don't let, on Michael Jordan because you have X player on the bottom. Sam Bowie. Or, well, yeah. that's who they picked instead of him. But, yeah, you don't – don't let good be the enemy of great. Is like you don't – it's kind of the argument I've had this offseason. You don't cut David Bakhtiari because you have Zach Tom. Like Zach Tom's played 200. And I, I'm going to – it seems like I'm always hating on Zach Tom. I'm not. It's just he's only played 280 snaps at left tackle. Like to say what? like, yep, that's our left tackle of the future. I that's a lot it. though. That's no, not, not nothing. Not. That's it's not, not nothing. It's not a lot either. It is not a yeah, lot. it is. It's that's three like five games. games. It's more than three games. It's not. Yeah, I, I guess it's closer to five games than three games. That's not a lot either, though. Like it's not a cut. lot, but it's but it's not nothing. Like they went into Bak- they went into. I mean, Bakhtiari had no snaps when they gave him the left tackle job. Well, they did that because though because Brad Belaga blew his knee up. Right, like, they didn't but plan for that. There, but with Zach Tom, there is nothing that makes me not excited about him. No, I don't disagree with you on that, but there isn't. Like, I'm not letting – like, would you cut Elton Jenkins, right? Or would you have let Jenkins walk to let Zach Tom play left guard? No. No, because I think I think, I think think Tom is a tackle all day. Well, either way, you know what I mean. If they have an Elton Jenkins level player at right tackle, would you let him walk to let Jenkins would, or would Tom you, play right tackle? I mean, the, the, you don't need to even go that far. You just – the Bakhtiari conversation. And the answer would, is would, I would, would rather have – No. Or would you have the cap? Would you rather have the cap space and Zach Tom's no. playing left tackle? No, I think I would rather have that Bocciari. But um, if they can get a second round pick out of Bocciari at the trade deadline this year, I'm doing it. Nope. Depending it on depends. where they're at, if was, if they're like to. if they're like 500, and it's clear that like this is the new wave of Packers coming in, and Bocciari is going to be gone anyways, I would, but. We're so I, yeah. far off the beaten path of what we said we were going to talk about. Which is fine. This is actually better because, yeah, the only way I'm moving on from Bakhtiari is if it's obvious that the team is probably going to need a quarterback in next year's draft. Like, And what I mean when I say that is that they're one and seven, two and six, you know, something like that. That's the only way. But, again, Peter talked about it today. Do you think Bakhtiari's uh, back? Do you think he's back next year? I don't think it's a zero percent chance. I don't think I'd be surprised it's surprised if he is. That's where I'm, I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think it's the most likely scenario. And what I think, like I mentioned at the top here, what I think the most likely scenario is right now is Bakhtiari plays out his deal this year. They cut him prior, you know, to save that cap space next year, and they're, you know, their their first round pick after going six and eleven. So that would be like for. Parallel sake to two thousand nine when they or eight when they had Rodgers, 
as his first year as a starter. Their first, their pick at ninth overall was BJ Raji. Like, so their pick at ninth overall will be the best available offensive tackle and he'll be their preferred plug and play starter. So in this, in this scenario that we've laid out, you would rather just Bakhtiari play out his contract this year as opposed to like a a content, you know, if the Packers aren't a contender, let's say the, let's say the Cincinnati Bengals are like, Hey, it depends where they're at at the deadline. Like if Green Bay has a chance to make the playoffs, like if they're like 2000, what year was that? Goody's first year, 2018, when they traded Clinton Dix or whatever, like that wasn't a shocking seismic move to their team. But like if they're like four and four and battling or something like that, then no, I want to keep David Bakhtiari because I do think there is value in this year's Packers team trying to fight and make the playoffs instead of saying, screw it. Like you can't do the thing they did last year where they just kept playing Aaron Rodgers because saying that we want to win every single game. We have to win every single game to saying, nah, forget it. We're going to trade one of our best players because we're not winning anyways. Like I also feel like if they were going to do that, then the time to do that, like they probably would have gotten more for him during the offseason than they will at the trade deadline. Unless some team has like the Sam Bradford thing pop up and they're desperate for a left tackle. That's what I'm saying. Which, like, and that's, Which could certainly happen. There are so many different scenarios that I think and, – and it's a nuanced conversation because of that. But if someone I think in general, in, there, are, there are a lot fewer scenarios where I'm okay with trading Bakhtiari than ones where I am. I think – I don't know. Again, like you said, don't let good be the enemy of great. I know David Bakhtiari when he's healthy and last year by the end of the year when he was healthy is an all-pro. Mm-hmm. Really good left tackle. Awesome. One of the best, like Trent Williams, but not not as good as Trent Williams, but same which level. Is, which is, I think, we've been really dismissive of him coming back next year. And I don't know if that's super wise because what if he comes out and they figured this knee out and boom, he's an all-pro again? That's kind of my, my thinking too is like if oh, you're the well, Packers – doesn't <laughs> you know well, like, if he, what if, like that's the thing is you let the season though determine that like if yeah. he's really good if he comes back and is really good and doesn't miss time because of his knee do you give him a new contract yes if he comes like if his knee gets injured then you're just like okay then that's like this is just we can't we can't do this and spend this kind of capital on him and have to move on or whatever you know like let the season decide what you're doing for the future but i don't think like if they had drafted Paris Johnson, they weren't able to. But had they done that, then you're like, okay, Paris might play right tackle this year, but that's like their high level. They're planning on him being the left tackle of the future kind of thing. And that decision, quote unquote, is already made for them, similar to the way people view the Jordan Love pick, even if that's not exactly how that played out. Like the Packers didn't draft Zach Tom and say, He's our left tackle of the future. Brian Gutekunst even told you. They said they thought his best position was a center. Now, maybe that's been proven wrong. Maybe he wins the right tackle job. You know, A lot remains to be seen on that front. But they don't have this massive investment in him to the point where it's like he has to be our left tackle. Like Bakhtiari can earn his job, if you will, beyond wouldn't, 2023. Wouldn't and be honestly like – Hilarious scenario. Not hilarious. It'd be all, I mean, it would be great, but – if we, you know, we spent all this time talking about Zach Tom being the left tackle or right tackle of the future, and they plug him in at center, he's like an all pro. <laughs> We're like, well, <laughs> never mind. I guess he's just going to play there, you know, which could happen, and that's why you let this stuff play out. But that's also what we do is we we talk about these scenarios. So it's the well, and here's the thing is like that's the scenario I'm rooting for. 
Like I want Bakhtiari is still only in his early thirties and left tackles typically can play into their late third. Like I want him if it's possible, if it's feasible, if it's smart, all that good stuff. I want him around as long as he wants to be here. And as long as he's able to be here physically, like I've said this before a million times, everybody points to the quarterback position for how the Packers have been spoiled. I think their left tackle situation since like Chad Clifton, save for that little, that little sabbatical. I mean, it's, 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 he's two and Marshall Newhouse for a a brief stint, but otherwise like I've seen the other side of that. Didn't they win? I've seen. No, Clifton was the starter. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I've seen the other side of it. And like I've seen, I mean, I remember what Alan 2015 Barber. when Bakhtiari got hurt and then Belager got hurt and they were starting Josh Walker and Don Barclay. Like there are teams that do that. They live that way. And <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to do that. You know, no. I've often said that one of the best things the Packers did this year for Jordan Love is the left side of that offensive line, if they're healthy, should be rock, rock solid with Elton back fully, Bakhtiari back fully. The blind side is protected. The best way to, you know, one of the things that has ruined basically, if you look at the young quarterbacks that have busted, all of them have gotten hit a bunch. Like that's yeah. the common denominators. They've gotten buried behind those, behind those crappy offensive lines. And I don't want that for whether it's Jordan Love or – you know, whoever the next guy is. And who on the right side gives you confidence? That's just an MF effort. Right now? Yeah. Nobody. That's yeah. That's kind of uh, what I'm thinking. Like the left side is is as good as any in the NFL. But then you get to Josh Myers and you're like, oh, this guy, you know, what's he gonna be like? And then John Runyon Jr. is fine. And Yash is fine. And I think that's the case to be made for Zach Tom is you hope he gets in there somewhere and he's your guy on the other side of the line of scrimmage. That is just very good. Um, Because outside of that, they didn't take anyone this year. You know, Sean Ryan, I guess could take a a huge jump is what he would need to take. And all indications so far is he's still struggling. You know, uh, Royce Newman is Royce Newman. They've got a bunch of guys like that that you're happy to have on the team. Like Royce Newman is going to be in the NFL for a long time. It might not be with the Packers, but he has proven that you can win games with him in your starting lineup. And guys like that do not grow on trees. Like it really is true. Like it's hard to find even average to slightly below average NFL offensive linemen is is valuable. Um, Packers have a bunch of those guys, but they don't have anyone on that right side that you're like, man, fourth and one, gotta have it. You know, they're running behind Bakhtiari and Jenkins like they should. But if you go to that right side, who, who you, who you hanging your hat on and being like, this guy's going to win. Yeah. And that was one of those, like when they were going through the off season of free, like Isaac Sumalo was a guy from the Eagles last year. I wouldn't mind it if they had targeted, you know, because I mean, even Tom, like everybody's got a, you know, Tom is a good pass blocker, but in the run game, right now, granted, that could change. It could leave a little to be desired. Josh Nyman, same thing. Uh, You're hoping that – what you're really hoping for is that Myers takes that leap and that they figure out right guard of the future. I said this before that as of June 12th, if you want a boldish prediction on June 12th, is I think a potential – I guess this isn't really a prediction because I'm not predicting it – but a a potential surprise cut – trade candidate is John Runyon 
Um, and I say that meaning I don't think that's going to happen, but I can see a path to where it does. Like you mentioned, if Royce Newman takes this jump and becomes a star, like they've tried to replace Runyon every year since he became every a Every year. I was just going to say that. Yeah. And they've never like just penciled him in as the starter type for something like that. And it's funny because you'd think that he would be this just tough, nasty, nail-spitting type player because that's what his dad was. And he's really not that. He's more of a pass-blocking type specialist, which is a good thing. You need that too. I'm not saying that's bad. But, you know, Royce potentially takes a jump. Sean Ryan potentially takes a jump. Uh, maybe Tom wins the right guard spot. They said that Tom could be a, a, somebody competing in there for that too. Do they then – Runyon is now a – a player that they're not going to give a contract to. If he doesn't win a starting job, he's not getting an extension in Green Bay. No. So do they do they do something like that? I don't think they do, but I do think that that's a guy like if we're sitting here in August and it says, oh, the Packers have traded John Runyon to the Dolphins for a conditional fifth-round pick or something, we're just kind of like, oh, hmm. yeah, I guess I could have seen that. I would hope they have a plan. I would hope that would come with Sean them being confident that Sean Ryan had – has made a jump, you know, or, or something yeah, like that. Rasheed Walker, you know, whoever the – Or Caleb, Caleb Jones. I mean, they've got great prospects on this, you know, in the pipeline. If you think Caleb Jones is a great prospect, then sure. But I don't. I was so impressed with him last preseason. But I'm saying like bottom of the roster type guys, they've got guys to be excited about. And they've proven that they've been able to develop those guys in the past. Um, but – yeah, we'll see. Um, it's always easy to say that in the offseason, you know, and, and sometimes guys take jumps forward. Sometimes they take jumps backwards. So uh, and, and also with like like with Caleb Jones, for example, you know, he's this behemoth of a human. Right. Uh, a hip, a hippopotamic landmass. And that's exciting. And, and you, you can't see say that. that word again. Say that word again. The one that started with an H. Hippopotamic landmass. Oh wow, you got it. Good that's from uh, Princess Bride when he's oh, talking really? about the giant. Uh, but and you, where were you? Unemployed in Greenland? You never seen that movie, man? I have seen the movie, but I can't quote it like that. Loser. Uh, but where was I going with this? Oh, with uh, Caleb Jones is a great example of a, of an undrafted free agent coming in. Who's got something that stands out right away for him. It was his size. And the fact that he played well in the preseason was a bit of a surprise. And you're, you're very lenient with his play. You're not very critical of it just because you're just happy that he's playing well. And then he comes into year two and you expect him to make that jump. But if he doesn't make that jump and he's still playing the way he did last year, you're probably disappointed. And so, like, it happens every year. There are guys like that that you're like, oh, this guy was awesome in the preseason, blah, blah, blah. He's going to be great. He's going to make a year or two jump. And then you just find out, like, oh, he just wasn't really that good. Um, so we'll see. If any, and, and Rasheed Walker is another guy that's like, man, he was a potential top 100 pick last year, too, that fell for, you know, some various. I don't really, I don't really know his story. Um, I haven't Injuries. heard much about him. Was it injuries? Okay. It was an injury um, thing, yeah. Um, so, you know, if you can stay healthy, he's a guy that's got plenty of potential as well. But before we go, what? Um, but I do want to talk about minicamp and what you're looking for. And and I'll just say this. I, I, I talked about it already. We don't can need we to make talk a deal? About- I want to make a deal about this for minicamp, though. Do it. So this is an exchange of goods and services. I want to – so we're going to talk about minicamp. What are you looking for? You, however – are not allowed to talk about pass catchers, and I am not allowed to talk about line of scrimmage players. 
Mm. Because like, you know, we did that draft thing a couple weeks ago and you, we, I took all defense slash trench players. Well, I was just going to say, one of the things is we just want to see Wicks and Dubose healthy. Like I want an update on their health. That's different. Yeah. But I'm saying as far as what you're looking for, like what would, like this is the best possible news that you can get coming Easy. I've got two guys that we haven't talked about yet that I am very much looking forward to watching at minicamp. Okay. What do you want me to talk about? Yeah, please do. Shall I? One is Carrington Valentine, the 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 Kentucky kid. Dude, I was thinking about you when what was it last week at practice? I read his name on like five different tweets, and like again, I'm basing all of my analysis on Valentine based on tweets or whatever. But it's like there's a job for him to win. You know, there's it's the top what four: Stokes, Douglas, Jair, Nixon. And then after that, you know, nobody on the roster is a lock on anything like that. They'll probably what's, use some safeties and corner types. What's funny yeah. though too is like they have all these outside guys. And, and Valentine's another one. He's not a slot. You can't play in the slot. So it's like, who do you kick inside? You know, but he's a guy that's like, he, he, he reminds me of, he's a, a discounted Eric Stokes in a way. He's big, fast and physical with negative ball skills. Um, and that's just kind of like who he was in college. Even he has like one career college interception and that ball bounced off like eight people before it finally landed in his hands. And that's just – and so every time I read a tweet that's like, oh, Carrington Valentine breaks on the ball, couldn't make the catch. I was like, yeah, that's that's him. Um, and that's that's okay. You know, like obviously you, he's not like a five-tool guy because he just does not have the playmaking ability. But if you get someone that just is going to stay in your hip pocket all the time, there's value in that, especially as like someone, you know, like him, like – how many times in the past have we seen a team or even this Packers team when injuries pile up and then you're starting a guy and it's like, oh, man, they're going to have a target on that guy's back. And, and I think Valentine has the potential in his rookie year to be able to come in and maybe not be an all pro, maybe not be a, you know a, an above average player, but an average player in the secondary that at least – if you're going to target or put a bullseye on him because he's the young rookie, he's at least going to win some of his reps and not just get beaten up and down the field. Um, so he's someone that I, I'm excited to see if he can continue uh, to kind of have the impressive uh, type of run that he's he's been showing so far. And can he do it now with some of the the veterans there in front of him? Um, so that that'll be interesting to me. And then the last one is uh, my other or two guys was obviously I want to see Brenton Cox just continue to develop. Um, I think he's kind of that that comment that Matt Lafleur made and mentioning him. I feel like kind of put all of our imaginations in motion about him. And it's like, gosh, if they got someone like him too to come in and be your fifth or sixth edge rusher, ooh, that's fun. Um, but the other guy is Anthony Johnson Jr., the other secondary player that they got in the seventh round. Um, someone that I think would, I mean, you talk about starting spots being wide open, buddy, it's there. Go take it if you want. Um, so, and uh, he's someone that I know has been starting to kind of make some more plays. And I think it was Andy Herman that talked about wearing that number 36 and being able to, I think there was one play in, in, in specific that he was specifically talking about where, where Anthony Johnson Jr., 
you know, everything was in front of him and his click and close to be able to kind of get up and just chop the ball carrier down or get in front of the pass was very Nick Collins-esque. And that's exciting to me because the Packers have not had someone like that since Nick Collins. Um, and, man, you go watch go watch that 2010 Super Bowl game, and you will – I mean, it's just we took Nick Collins for granted. My goodness. Like, I mean, there are so many times – in his prime where a guy catches a simple crossing route and before he can put his foot in the ground and get up field 36 flies on the screen, like a blur and just chops them down. And that's it. You know, even if they caught the ball, it was a six yard game and the Packers just haven't really had that. I mean, that's just that that's a rare thing anyway. So if, if Anthony Johnson jr is starting to make plays like that, which by the way, watching his film at Iowa state, that is what jumps out at you. That is why I liked him so much is because he has some of that innate ability to be able to uh, basically fly onto the screen and end the play. And that's such a valuable thing at the safety position and would be such a welcome addition to this Packers team. But, um, Jacob, what pass catchers are you most looking forward to watching at minicamp? Yeah, it's so some of those guys you mentioned, the safety position is is one that that I have my eye on just because Darnell Savage is going to start, but it's like, how are they using him and and who plays next to him? You know, cause it really, it's him and, and, a, and a, and a funky bunch. Like I really don't know what else to call. Cause you just mentioned Anthony Johnson jr. And yeah, that's a guy that we've all kind of liked and seen as a bit of a stealer. Whatever. Ben Fennell said that he thinks he'll start for this team. If not like right out of the gate, then by the end of the year, like, yeah, he was also a seventh round pick. So like, you know, how ready is he to do anything in his rookie? He He's a seventh round pick. Exactly. Like that's, I was thinking about that and I was thinking about one of the other pass catchers that I can't talk about. That was a seventh round pick that I love. It's like, man, he was still a seventh round pick. Like you could. Yeah. And when it comes to pass catchers, I'm going to give you a name that maybe isn't talked about, but uh, Bull Melton is, is a name that, that Paul Brettel was talking about the other day as a guy who, I don't know if, you know, when Green Bay builds their roster out, is that somebody that they have like as their own position because Melton can give you some depth in the return game. Uh, maybe he even wins that punt return job because that's certainly a possibility on on Keyshawn Nixon not being the punt returner going into uh, 2023 here. I think that he is the guy who, to do the quote-unquote gadget stuff, I like the most. Because I don't want to – I don't like to use the term waste, but I don't want to use a guy like you know Tyler Goodson or Samari Toure on that just because there isn't enough explosion there. But I also don't want to – use Christian Watson or Jaden Reed on something like that either, maybe sparingly, but not as the main guy to do that. Uh, so I think Melton has a good chance for that. And does that mean they, you know, they cut a guy like Wicks or, or Grant DeBose as somebody that, you know, they don't want to carry seven receivers or something like that, which they certainly could. Uh, but I'm interested to see him. And then the tight ends, because Musgrave, I mean, my God, as far as passing the test in the helmet and shorts portion of the offseason – he has far and away uh, the athleticism, the body control, all of that stuff is on full display. You know, the question for him becomes, can he do it when the pads come on? Cause that always separates some of these guys. You know, how many times did we have, and granted Musgrave's a better prospect than some of these players I'm mentioning, but like Deandre Burrell and DJ Williams and Tory Gurley and, and some of these guys that had great off seasons, but then when the pads came on, they never were seen again kind of thing. So I'm interested to see how he does craft Tucker craft is the other one at the tight end spot, just because, you know, those guys are going to play 
and we're just going to have to kind of live with them taking their lumps and trying to make some plays off of that. So, you know, I think the pass catching group is, is certainly something that's what makes these preseason games valuable too. And I hope they play Jordan love during the preseason, um, trying to get just some reps for these guys and, and getting used to, you know, playing NFL football, because, you know, I always say you can't learn a lot in the preseason, but you can learn a little bit. And, and I don't mean to continue to retell this story and, and toot my own horn, but I remember I was at Amari Rogers, first game in the preseason against the Texans. And I remember watching him like dance under punt returns and thinking like he is not comfortable doing stuff like this. And it was a thought that I put away for a while because, you know, he was a rookie. It was his first game. That's certainly something that can happen, but it turned out to be a problem, you know, and then he never became anything. And, you know, they cut him, they, they cut him, you know, Amari Rogers wasn't, uh, wasn't an NFL player when he was in green Bay. Maybe he can resurrect this career in Houston, but he hasn't done anything. He made one catch and had like one game. So that was good for him, but you can learn a little bit uh, in the preseason about some of these guys. So I'll be interested to see those kinds of things. But yeah, there's a lot, um, a lot of stuff to hopefully gather from these two days. Cause then after that, this is it until camp. So we have about four weeks of just nothingness after, after mini camp here. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Morley, anything else before we wrap? No, man, we talked for 50 minutes, just, I love that we didn't really talk before the show. We're just like, let's go. And then we did it. And this is uh, kind of how our conversations off air just kind of are. We just, "Mm, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Why am I so smart about everything? Why did the Packers take all the good players I told them to take this year? I don't know, Jacob. These are all great questions. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's been so hopefully this tied you guys over for a while because, yeah, once, uh, once the offseason hits, we're going to have to get real creative. The the dead zone part of the offseason, I should say, hits. We're going to have to get real creative. So oh, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Follow it at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me at Jacob Westdorf. You can follow Jacob. He's at Jacob Morley. If you're listening to this show, maybe Andy Herman has made an announcement that he teased. Maybe he hasn't. Um, just in case you're listening to this before he does, I don't want to steal his thunder. I just want to tell him congratulations. That's incredible. And uh, good luck to you, Andy, with everything you're doing. And we appreciate you. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Oh,